Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Today, I have with me graphic novelist, cartoonist, and New York Times bestselling author, Marisa Acuchella. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm so happy to be on Women of Her Story. Well, let's let's hop right in. What was the inspiration behind your recent graphic novel, The Big Shebang, The Herstory, or is it Shebang or Shebang? Shebang. Emphasis on she. I thought so. Um, So The Big (laughs) Shebang, The Herstory of the Universe According to God the Mother. Well, okay. It's very funny that you asked me that because um, when I was, let's say, I turned 30, and this was during a, have you ever heard of the Saturn return? Yeah. Okay. When you turn 30, your, your Saturn returns, it's like astrologic, an astrological phenomenon. And you kind of like figure out what you want to do with your life. You have this like kind of, kind of, not a crisis, but like a come to, you know, I guess you could say Jesus and Mary Magdalene moment because I'm all about the male-female balance, right? <laughs> and you kind of like figure out what you want to do with your life. So um, I had lit candles, right? It was New Year's Eve, okay? Uh, it was New Year's Eve, 1990, I believe. And I lit candles and I called in all the higher spirits, every single saint I could think of, Jesus, Mary, Mary Magdalene. And I was in advertising and I really didn't like it. And I started writing in my journal, but instead of actually writing, I drew this character that I've drawn ever since I was three years old. And there's a whole backstory to that (laughs) with a gun in her mouth with a line, she, emphasis on she again, was a little upset during the meeting and I wrote out like this whole thing that was going on in my life, which ended with, you know, who cares what they think? Who the hell are they anyway? And that was really the start of me becoming a full-on cartoonist. So I've been cartooning for 30 years. So while I was developing She, I had this idea in my head called the big She Bang. Mm. And I was also... uh, researching goddesses because there was a goddess movement in the 90s and archetypes i love female archetypes and i always wondered what happened to god the mother Mm. where did she go right Mm. what happened to her because i always thought ever since i was a child women gave birth a male god didn't give birth to all this yeah so basically i've had the idea for the big shebang for about 25 30 years oh my gosh so that's where the idea came from and i went on and became a cartoonist i started cartoon i wrote several books uh just who the hell is she anyway she the comic strip ran in mirabella magazine which was like the greatest women's magazine of all time mm-hmm. right um started cartooning for the New Yorker, wrote uh, Cancer Vixen, which we'll talk about later, Mm -hmm. Antenna. And then now I've come out with the big shebang. And this has been, I would say, 25 years worth of research. I've read about 200 books. I could say that I'm a full-on historian. Uh, uh, uh. There you go. (laughs) So 
in this book, I really dive into what happened to God the Mother. Oh. And then, you know, Ariana Grande came out with that song, which is kind of ironic. But I mean, I literally, there has been a female God in Cancer Vix, and I've always had uh, saints and goddesses in everything I've ever done. Hmm. So this is like the culmination of 30, 25, 30 years of, of, of a career. I just, I love that. It's so unique and so beautifully, you know, beautifully done. Thank um, you. I, 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 I also love that it's been, you know, 25 years in the making, you know, that's something that's been in you for a very long time. And it's finally, you know, the right time. You know, I, I feel, I feel, I, I very much am of the belief that a lot of, um, let's see that everything we do has already, at least creatively has already been in us at, you know, and it's, it's just when it comes out in various points, like it's been there for a long time. It just couldn't come out until you were in the right place to do it. Like it's been there and it just took, it took, you know, years of feeling like, okay, all of this research has finally culminated into a place where it is the right time to put this out in a way that's going to be impactful. Cause I think it, you know, I, I don't know if you would feel this way, but I feel like maybe if you had tried to do it 25 years ago, it wouldn't be the same thing that it ended up being, even though it was already there. It just wasn't there, you know, to be honest, I feel like everything happens in divine timing. Mm -hmm. You know, things ha happen when they're meant to happen. And I also, feel like I needed to have the maturity and the life experience mm. to write the book. I mean, I don't think I could have written it 30 years ago. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, and I don't, I, I feel like I needed to have the gravitas personally mm. to actually put that in the book. Right. Right. So, yeah. Cause I'm writing about women who, you know, the idea of history it's just that his story, right? So what happens when we hear from her? Well, her story changes his story mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Right. And I felt like, well, what does that mean to me as a woman growing up, you know, in this society and this environment? I mean, things really changed from 30 years ago to now. Yeah. Right. And Absolutely. yeah. So, and the idea of women being marginalized, minimized, maligned, sidelined, slut shamed, unnamed, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout his story. Well, now is the time for this, these, her story to come out. So I hundred percent. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's, that's fully where this, where, where, uh, like our platform stemmed from, right. We were like, mm -hmm. how, how is this? I, I've, I, I think I've said this statistic a million times, but I'll say it again. I think I, it's something like 3% of recorded history of like modern recorded history is um, like female is, is of, of women. The rest of the 97% is documented from, of, of like men's contributions and experiences. And is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's just crazy because we're over half the population and yet you know, our contributions have been erased or haven't been as documented. If you look in like a school history textbook, 
Mm -hmm. It's just little blurbs of women's history on the side while chapters and chapters are, are of men who, who made these contributions. Um, Interesting. That's why women of history is so important. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, the, the listeners can't see you, but I'm tossing my hair guys. (laughs) (laughs) As you should be. (laughs) Well, your career after graduating from Pratt has had quite a few twists and turns. Uh, I would venture to say that one of the most dynamic shifts in your career was when you created Cancer Fiction. Fiction. Mm -hmm. Wow. Cancer Fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. What was it like to write about that time in your life? You've mentioned, um, you know, we just mentioned you having breast cancer. So, so Mm -hmm. what, what was it like writing about that? Well, I had, um, I just become, well, I had just become a New Yorker cartoonist. Uh, well, maybe a few years before that. And I had a cartoon in Glamour magazine, a single panel that ran every month. And when I found out that I had breast cancer, I was just about to be married. I was three weeks from getting married for the first time. I was 43 years old. And I didn't have health insurance. It was a really horrible moment in my life. I mean, if you want to talk about up and downs, this was a definite down, right? So when I told my editor at Glamour Magazine, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Her second response is, do you want to write about it? The first being, are you okay? So I thought about it. And of course I was depressed, right? As I said, it was a very down moment. I was walking down Hudson River Park with one of my best friends, Bob Morris, who's a writer for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what are you going to call your story? And I said, well, I'm thinking of calling it breast case scenario. <laughs> and he's like, that is like a terrible title. And look <laughs> at you. You look like hell. You look like a victim. You, your hair is dirty. Your sneakers are ratty. Your clothes are ripped up. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, how could I be happy? I'm just, you know, diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm about to get married. I don't have health insurance. Like you tell me what's, what is there to be happy about? Yeah. And he said, well, look, you look like a victim. Where's the vixen? And then he said, you're the daughter of a shoe designer, right? Put on your heels and like go fight cancer. And I said, okay. And he said, well, that's what you should call a cancer vixen. So I went back and I drew myself as a cancer kicking vixen. Mm. Right. And that was on my drawing board, cancer vixen, that whole cancer year. And I went back and I changed the way I looked at myself and became a cancer kicking vixen. And I wore heels to every single cancer chemotherapy session. My mother came with me and she was a character in my book. And (sighs) She's, she's hilarious. And I, you know, I am my mother's daughter. She was a shoe designer. She designed Jackie Kennedy's shoes for her inauguration. Wow. Yeah. There's a whole backstory there. Wow. And I basically realized that life is about how you perceive yourself. Mm. Right. I could have seen myself self as a victim, but I chose to become a vixen. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. and chose to be empowered. I basically wrote Cancer Vixen with a chemo IV in my hand. I brought my sketch pad and pen 
to every single chemo session and I wrote everything down, wrote everything down. And, you know, Nora Ephron says life is material. Well, that was my material that year. And that's basically the story of cancer vixen. And it came out and um, it got a lot of attention. It was sold globally. Mm. It's published in many, many different languages. And I'm really proud of that book because I was able to write down everything and it's called objective journaling. I didn't realize it at the time, but for that reason, I never would say my, we never put the word my in front of cancer because I didn't want to own it. I didn't want it to be part of me. I liked right. putting the experience on the page. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and, you know, put the drama on the page and then write the book. And I think for anybody who's going for any kind of trauma to actually keep that in mind and do that, it's really like a great way of dealing with things. You could see it. It takes the emotion out of things. It puts it on the page mm -hmm. and it's empowering. It's empowering to write your story. Yeah. No matter what it is, whether mm -hmm. it's cancer or COVID. It's mm -hmm. funny now that COVID is the, has become the big C when you think yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so that's my long-winded answer to your. No, question. I love that. <laughs> that's something that I'm. I. 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 I don't know that I've fully heard. I don't. I don't think I've heard the term objective um, journalism journaling mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. um, but it mm -hmm. makes perfect sense because um, that's something I like to do. I like if I'm if I'm doing if if my brain is like a spaghetti mess, I mm -hmm. I like to just write everything like pen paper write it down because then it's out and i mm -hmm. can sort through it and mm -hmm. then it's just kind of it's there it's not in me anymore right and, um, yeah you know, and that's so i i love the idea of doing that for for you know going through traumas or going through just like horrible things in general because that's so real when you allow yourself to say it or write it or get it out it, mm -hmm. it probably helps you look at it in a, in a different way, in a different context, process it even. Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, it's, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you're like, well, what am I going to do with my day? And then you write a list down. It's when you see it, it's not in your head anymore. It becomes like an actuality yeah. because then you do what's on your list and you cross it out and you feel like, you've achieved something. Same thing with writing down whatever you're going through. You, mm -hmm. It's not in your head anymore. It's on the page. It's like easier to process mm -hmm. and easier mm -hmm. to get rid of if it's something traumatic. Yeah. Right. And it becomes it a story. Up, throw it in a trash can. <laughs> yeah. Or make a book out of it or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it feel really powerful to get to share your story like that and, and know that people were, it was resonating with people going through the same thing? Well, here's the thing. When you put your story out, it resonates with some people. A lot of people get, I mean, it's funny now. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So most of the people it did resonate with. Some people were like, well, you only had stage one breast cancer. You know, your life wasn't threatened. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you had a uh, stage three or stage four. I really thought some prayers, right? It's not a competition. You know? <laughs> it's not a, it was like a cancer competition. I was, oh, 
I know it's the people that have to one up your suffering. It's like when you just say, when you tell someone you're tired and they're like, you're mm-hmm. tired. I just did this and this. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't make me less tired. Like- right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean that those, there were not a lot of, there was not a lot of that, but you know, but for the most part, I felt that I did connect with the, a lot of women out there who did go through the similar experience, mm-hmm. you know, the cancer vixen came out and the article came out in 2005 in Glamour. Then from that, I got a book deal and the next year came, the book came out. So mm-hmm. that was in 2006. And it's, I still get letters, believe it or not. I still oh. get emails. I still hear from people all over the world. So oh, I love that. That's amazing. That's but the amazing. whole thing. Thank you. But the whole empowerment theme has always been in my work since she was a little upset during the meeting where I put the, turned the gun on me and turned it around to say, mm-hmm. well, who the hell are they anyway for making me feel like that? Or how, and how could I like stop myself for feeling like that? Mm. You know, it mm. like th- that thought process and turning it around, like turning the victimhood around to being a vixen, turning in victimhood into vixenhood, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically what my writing's always been about. Same with the women in the big shebang, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Mary Magdalene's been slut shamed. I mean, she's like been slut shamed for ever, right? So yeah. what's her real story? You know, God, the mother, what happened to her? Well, she was, as she will tell you, she was holy ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's the holy ghost in the Bible, Yeah, but who knows that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, the holy ghost is a bird. Well, it's really God, the mother. Yeah. She's yeah. right. So uh, turning those stories into t- turning women who have been scapegoated into she evolutionaries, mm. which is what I like to say. <laughs> Or sheroes. Heroes, yeah. <laughs> but you know, turning them into like who they really are, their rightful stories. Absolutely. It's been, you know, something that I'm really committed to and passionate about. And as you have women of her story, I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah. Abs yeah. Definitely, definitely. And there's it's also interesting to see um, you know, throughout researching various people um, that a lot of fictional characters who are like everyone rallies behind um, are based on real women and they Mm -hmm. don't even know it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one, one that's uh, interesting to me is Nellie Bly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, where um, Sarah Paulson's character on um, American Horror Story Asylum is a right based off of her and people don't know that there was actually an investigative journalist who went undercover in like on Roosevelt Island in the insane asylum and went through that for you know I think it was like a week and a half people don't wow. realize that that's a real person that she mm-hmm. came out of it like her the the um uh lawyer's for the uh, paper that she was like doing it for um, ended up having to like get a judge to like get her out. She didn't even know if they were going to actually release her. Wow. Because she had feigned uh, like mental, it was a whole thing, but people don't, 
realize that these are real people and they have mm-hmm. entire really complex stories. She went on to do stuff. Wow. Like Interesting. Manufacturing and mm-hmm. then ended up covering um, like World War One. She was one of the first journalists in the trenches in Europe. Like, and people don't even, they're like, oh, it's this, it's just, it's crazy to, to think about like all the stories that aren't being told or that little tiny bits and pieces are being told mm-hmm. um, and not giving. Well, it's why not use the real name? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. why not like say this real, this was a real person. Uh, this was her life. I, I, to me, it's much richer that way. Yeah. Unless the writer was like, well, I don't want to get sued and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then yeah. you have that. But I mean, I'd rather hear the real story. Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what you just said is much more provocative and way more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like take, uh, take Nuria, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so did you know that Eve had a daughter? No. Okay. <laughs> did you know that not only did Eve have a daughter, but she was married to Noah? Yeah, see? Like, see? And, and guess what? When she's in the Bible, when she's mentioned in the Bible, she's mentioned five times. And guess what? She's nameless. Her name is Nuria, Ugh. right? Yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. And when she's referenced in history, I'll tell you, I mean, I'll- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what happened to her. So when she's referenced in history, right? Her name, she's known as Noria, Noria, Oria, Oria, Horea, Noreta, and Nora, right? But her name Noria means beautiful fire. Yeah. And the research that I, I did about her in the big shebang, right? Well, her story is this. It's according to Apocrypha and according to Nag Hammonty, which is a lot of where I got my research from. Mm-hmm. Noah, okay, was a hybrid. He was part Nephilim. Yeah. Okay. And she was pure human. She was pure human. Her mother was Eve. Her father was 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 Adam. And she was part of the, the race, the, the pro-human enlightened race. We were mm-hmm. fully enlightened back then. We had all 12 strands of our DNA connect, connected, right? Mm-hmm. And Noah was working behind her back to build the ark. And she never knew what he was doing when she found out that humanity was going to go, selected humanity was going to go on to the ark and like the rest of them were going to be killed. She burned down the ark with her mouth. She breathed fire and burned down the ark three times. Oh my God. It's a totally different story than what we were told. Yeah. So she tried to save humanity. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the, and the reason, according to the Gnostics, that uh, they were trying to, this, the God was trying, the demigod, according to the Gnostics, was trying to get rid of the humans is because we were fully enlightened and mm-hmm. we were our intelligence was a threat to him oh. it's a totally different spin on noah's ark yeah yeah oh my god yeah there's just there's so much it, there's just so many interesting stories to be that that mm-hmm. are skewed or just like half told or not even half told just like an eighth told and then mm-hmm. they're like and then his wife did this and then she's never right again and you're like 
but i mean she was really powerful and children like yes exactly and then the other thing about nuria is so after she did after she burned down the ark yelled about the demigod came after her with all the archons all these Mm -hmm. his like all his cronies and they were threatening to rape her oh so she calls out to god the mother and says rescue me from these rapacious Mm -hmm archons they were the archons that's what they were called immediately and then an angel comes in elilith and rescues her and takes her to the heavenly abode takes her to heaven so mm-hmm. she's nuria not only did she try to save humanity but she's the first silence breaker yeah like the me too movement like yeah. you know rose mcgowan and annabella shiara all those women and tirana who created the me too movement well here's nuria she was the first silence breaker yeah so yeah. it's interesting to know that about these women who are unnamed in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and then you could also take Eve, for instance, right? Well, what do we know about Eve? She's like the first scapegoat of humanity, right? It makes me so mad. Well, according to the Gnostics and what I've read in different stories, well, Eve, right? She was God the mother and Mm -hmm. Sophia, God the mother's daughter's daughter, right? Mm -hmm. She was, Eve was the first, and she was the divine light. She was the divine spark, right? Mm -hmm. She was encoded with the human genome. She landed in that genome was like a drop of water that landed in the water. Mm -hmm. And from that, the androgynous human appeared, who fashioned themselves into a woman and her mother, Sophia's image. Her name is Zoe, which means life, but we know her as Eve. Yeah. Okay. So basically there's Adam. He was a lump of clay (laughs) who had no life. He was inanimate and Eve blew life into him. She's the divine spark. So that shows us that we are a celestial. Mm -hmm. We have, we are made of stardust and terrestrial, right? And that Eve did not come from Adam's rib, as we were told. Mm-hmm. She was the one who gave Adam life. Yeah. It's yeah. so much different than what we were told. Mm-hmm. And she's not a scapegoat. She's a she evolutionary. She's a great, she's a divine spark. Mm. And d- doesn't that empower women when you hear these stories? Yes, yes. Yes. It, and, and it to me makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it, way more sense because it would, yes, exactly. I, we're just women are, are so, I don't know, uh, strong in different ways. And I think mm-hmm. so many times we're told, I, I, you know, that women are meat or the weaker sex or this or that. And it's like, just because like physical strength does not mean um, mental strength. Yeah, and also spiritual like, strength. Physical emotional weakness strength. does not yeah. mean does not indicate weakness. Just because mm-hmm. our bodies are built differently, just because like X Y Z in terms of like um, literal physical strength, that does not mean that we are protected we are to be Mm -hmm. this this and that and it's like I can save myself thank you yes yes we can save ourselves (laughs) not to say that we don't like our men to be strong because we do Mm -hmm. I mean one of the through lines in the big shebang is a balance between the divine feminine and the divine masculine right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why I, I clearly show God the mother with God the father. Yeah. And they have like a really strong core relationship. Yes. Which we should have been introduced to from the very beginning, but we weren't. Because we can balance, we balance each other out, you know, it's, yes. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that I think that, you know, it's, it's tragic that, Mm -hmm. um, men are told they can't show emotion, that they can't cry, that they can't be empathetic, that they can't, Mm -hmm. that, that strength means, you know, not letting your emotions get into your decision-making when Mm -hmm. we make the most educated decisions, when we take into account every single thing involved, both sides our Mm -hmm. emotions saying, why, why, why should we ignore our emotions? And I think it's tragic that men are, men are told they can't access those, but then at the same time that women are told you're weak because Mm -hmm. you use your emotions and things. And that's not to say like make snap decisions based on how Mm -hmm. you feel that day, but you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there is so much to be said about the balance between the, the, the um the feminine and the and the masculine entities like it's just they balance each other like mm-hmm. let them interconnect they should <laughs> well i agree so that is basically they we started off with god the mother and god the father and that was suppressed and that was suppressed in the council of nicaea in 325 mm-hmm. ad when constantine called all the bishops in for a meeting. And basically what he did was he edited the Bible. He edited out the divine mother, right? Mm -hmm. She was holy ghosted. He edited out women priests and deacons. So women's women were priestesses and deacons before, Uh and he edited out a lot of stories in the Bible that were supposed to be in the Bible where women were really strong, like the acts of Paul and Thecla, who Thecla was a disciple of Paul and she was really strong. She self-baptized herself after her mother had her thrown to the lions. A she lion killed an oncoming lion to save her. There was like the divine feminine and the she lion. So there are all these stories that were edited out by, I call the Bible, the book written by a bunch of men about a bunch of men. Yep. Right. Yep. So <laughs> not, and I'm not saying that it's all men. I'm talking about those men. Right the dark side of the patriarchy, yes. right? Yes. Because we love men. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And, and the idea of the balance. Okay. Like, okay. So there's God, the mother, God, the father, that was supposed, that's the first power couple, right? Mm-hmm. Then Adam and Eve, there is a balance there that we were robbed of when we were told that Eve came out of Adam's rib, right? Mm-hmm. And the demigod devises plan, which I call the original divide and conquer humanity master plan, <laughs> right? And that is you take down your star player, Eve, right? Who was made of stardust, right? It's like the Yankees and the Red Sox in baseball. You take out your, the star player, the team collapses, right? Yeah. So that's what happened with Eve, right? Mm-hmm. Then again, there's, you fast forward into history and there's Asherah, Mm-hmm. who was Yahweh's wife. Well, Yahweh was really jealous of Asherah. She had her own temple. She had her own priestesses and she had her own following. And he, what does he do? He has the followers killed 
they take down her temples, they burn down the temples, not and that as if that wasn't enough, they paid on the remains, the ruins, right? So there's that. Yeah. Fast forward in history again. And then there's a balance of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And okay, this is like one of the most important stories, I think. Yeah. The story of Mary Magdalene. Did you know that she was an actual princess? I don't think I did. Yeah. Mary Magdalene was a princess, right? Okay. Just like Jesus came from the David line. Okay. Mary Magdalene. And I'm just going to read a little bit to you about her. Mary Magdalene, her mother was a queen. Her name was Queen Eucharist, right? And did you know that the Archangel Gabriel, just like the Archangel Gabriel visited the Virgin Mary, well, he came to Queen Eucharist and said, blessed lady, I bring you good news. You will have a daughter who is, and well, Queen Eucharist didn't have the ears I could hear and the eyes I could see that the Blessed Mother did. Uh-huh. So she didn't get the message. But then when she gave birth to Mary Magdalene, nine months later, she realized that her daughter was special, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So then King Cyrus, who was the one of the kings of the 12 tribes of Israel, he was the head of the Benjamin line mm-hmm. of the 12. He, he like did not want to have anything to do with his daughter. He wanted yeah. an heir to the throne, right? So he's like, just very dismissive of his daughter. Yeah. And then when she be, she gets sent to school in Egypt, right? And when she comes back, when she's 16, she's sent off as a princess to marry the richest man in Babylon. Well, the road to Babylon from Migdal, which is where Mary Magdalene was from, was right. really treacherous. So a princess, her dowry, her entourage of handmaids and bodyguards in a caravan on the treacherous road to Babylon, what could possibly go wrong? Well, what happened was a gang of thieves stole her dowry, murdered her bodyguards, assaulted her handmaids who were collateral damage for the real target, Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene was sex trafficked and sold into prostitution. Mm. Like- Yeah. That's, I did all this research and yeah. this is what it, where it led yeah. me. And what happened was she was broke and enraged, right? And the satanic plan to destroy her almost worked until Mary Magdalene always had this light, this yeah. fire, this mighty fire, this light. And a little flame comes over to her and says, Mary Magdalene, um, what's left of your ma- mighty light? And then her angels come back and say, Mary, we haven't forgotten who the true you is, have you? And what she did was she, with the money she made, she freed her sisters, right? The prostitute sisters. And then she freed herself, goes back and has this epic love story with Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and then, okay, Peter, who we know as St. Peter, was really jealous of her Mm -hmm. because Mary Magdalene was the apostle who knew all. Yeah. It was the equivalent. She was a female Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. She was the number one apostle. If you go back to the Pistis Sophia, if you go back to all the Apocrypha, she's the one who's asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it's like she also taught Jesus too. So they were had this really great give and take. But I bring up their relationship because again, we were talking about the balance of the male and the female, yeah. right? So they not only have this great love story, they 
through their love teach mm -hmm. us about the balancing the male and the female and the tantric yeah nice yeah. and how that works yeah i mean i yeah. actually show it in the book yeah right <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is it's like okay so we were we were robbed of that story yeah and it's time we take it back absolutely our, our very gender was hijacked and we time we take we take it back so yeah. really that's what the big shebang is all about i love it i love it i i it's so important you know there's there it's 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 one of those things where, uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, representation matters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it totally does. You know, and especially when it's in uh, like these types of, of stories and these important books and these, you know, things where it's like, if you don't know that you're, you're represented with such power in a, in something you know like the bible or or really just a history book even mm -hmm. if you don't if you're not represented in power with power not in power like dictative power but with power then you don't know that you it's hard to give yourself permission to mm -hmm live in that power you know if you're if you're being told for so long that you know no this is where where you stand this is where you sit in the pecking order um you you are second you are subservient mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know if you're not shown it's like uh this is kind of a, a weird side note but like with um with the Avengers, right? Or any of those Marvel comics, literally like Captain Marvel is a woman and she mm -hmm. is like one of the most powerful superheroes. And mm -hmm. there were people who were mad about that or like, right. you know, where you're like, she's not even real. And why are you mad at me being able to identify with a powerful being? Like, mm -hmm. just let me identify with a powerful being for a second. And, and for so long, like you, we, we haven't been given permission and then we mm -hmm. haven't given ourselves permission because we mm -hmm. haven't seen the representation of ourselves in such powerful, powerful positions, you know? That's that's really true. I mean, and I did a, a lot of research on Greek mythology, right? I love Greek mythology. I love Greek mythology. <laughs> and I took the myth of Persephone, mm -hmm. right? And we find out, okay, the way the research that I did, and also just the, the story that I wanted to tell, I never really saw her as a victim. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw her as somebody who, well, she was sort of stuck in the middle between, I mean, I have a smother, right? <laughs> when when I first started cartooning 30 years ago, I called my mother smother. She's she's always been a character <laughs> in, in my books. Okay, so I, I kind of like internalized Persephone's story. And I saw her stuck between or in the, not stuck, but in the middle of a smother, right? And like, a, and Hades, a, a man, it was kind of like, a, she was right in the middle, right? What does she do? Should she stay or should, we, should she go? And the story of Persephone is her mother babied her and, and, and hit her in a town called Nysa, a town isolated, knew, nobody knew where it was in ancient Greek mythology, right? Mm -hmm. And we find out that she was baby, that she was babysat by um, these these women who were uh, who were nymphs who who watched her, and 
her mother infantilized her, but it's because she Persephone was raped by by somebody and and her mother wanted to protect her, right? Right. So here comes Hades, who is like, you know what? Your mother's treating you like a child. She's got you wearing baby doll togas. And I could show you a better life and I could make you a queen. Mm -hmm. So she makes this choice. She's going to go off with Hades, mm -hmm. right? And her mother, and she left her mother. And the thing is, we find out that, you know, she chose to be her own woman, right? Which mm -hmm. is a great, which is a great part of her story. Right. But the Persephone myth, which was recorded in history, his story, right? <laughs> okay. Has have been perpetuated in these masterpieces like the rape of Persephina by John Lorenzo Bernini, right? Yep. All these rape scenarios of Persephone that are masterpieces by Rembrandt, yeah. by Hans Van Aken, by Peter Paul Rubens, yeah. by Alessandro Allori, by John Francois Detroit. And it's like the romanticization of her so-called rape. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So at this point in the story, I say, well, if the gut is a message and that back then those paint, those paintings for the media, the media was a message, right? Mm -hmm. I say in the book, if the gods can get away with rape, so can man, is that the message? And God, the mother says, change the message, change the message, change the world. So that's what we need to do. We need yeah. to take control of our narrative and change the world. Yeah, because it's it's when it's kind of like what back to what we were saying earlier that one mm -hmm. one part of the story is being told and then it's being focused on and it's being either romanticized or it's being mm -hmm. turned into something that doesn't represent the in the doesn't represent the woman doesn't represent the whole situation at hand which is mm -hmm. infuriating. It's so and it's also like I love um Hera Hera's um, I, I love her. I, she's mm -hmm. so powerful and her, she's just so, um, I don't know. She like pivots, I guess, between like mm -hmm. who she is and what she's representing, like at that mm -hmm. time. And I just think mm -hmm. that's true of who we are as humans, as women, you being able to be like, I'm this, I'm also this, but mm -hmm. I can be nurturing, but I'm also like, I'm bad B. Okay. Like I am a right. boss. I will come for you. If, if, if you send for me, I will come for you. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I just, yeah, you will not get away with it. Yeah. I mean, she's a great, she is a great archetype, right. Of the wife and the fierce, just fierce defender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot, there is a lot to Hera. I, I love her too. I love all the archetypes just for what they, they bring to us. Mm -hmm. But for me, really, it's about hearing her story which changes history mm -hmm. forever and then and then we have a balance we realize that we see through the revisions that yeah women were really strong that we weren't scapegoats we were shivolutionaries we had we had power and and that in turn empowers us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is again what i've always been about like yeah. finding the source of the power and working with that yeah and transforming and transmuting the story. Would you say that that's what you hope people get from reading your reading your work? Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, that's always been uh, what I've tried to do. 
again, like going transmuting the energy of the being a victim to being a vixen mm. and the big shebang. It's like, well, take that for instance. Well, what is the big shebang? That is the point of orgasm where God, the mother and God, the father together, yep. ta-da, <laughs> give birth to the universe. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a collab, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it, again, it restores a balance. Yeah. And which is so crucial and so important. Mm -hmm. mm, absolutely. You know, and I, and I just think, you know, you look at what happens in the media, for instance, if we're talking like we were talking about the media. So Disney, right? How many stories have they killed the mother? right? Kill the mother. The children are vulnerable. Yeah. Well, it's time we stop killing the mother and yeah. let her live. And not only that, let her tell her story. Yeah. Yeah. And protect the children. We all, we, the mother energy needs to be inserted now, mm -hmm. now more than ever, because you know what? I actually wrote this book for mother earth mm. because it's like, we're at a crucial moment. We're at the critical moment in our history, history, mm -hmm. right? Where either earth will ascend into an unforeseen golden age where the planet and humanity evolve or devolve and go the other direction. Right. So what's it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's really about this moment in time, the great awakening versus yes. the great reset too, mm -hmm. which is like the other thing that's going on. So this is, I mean, this book was a call to action about yeah. the divine feminine rising and balancing the divine male and humanity realizing that we've been put up to this divine and conquer humanity master plan ever since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is figure out a way to unify and fight the real villains, which are the globalists who are trying to take control of the planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, it is, a, I mean, mother earth is a big character yeah. too in the book. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because she's been, like I say, she's been me too. Mm -hmm. There's a whole me too part, but she's been me too. Her, her land's been raped her. Yeah. Her soil has been, look at what we've done to, the produce genetically modified what's going on in our air chemtrails etc i mean there is all that so yeah yeah when we take when we take care of the planet we're taking care taking care of us absolutely absolutely and it's and it's not uh, you know it shouldn't be this like I don't know why people think it's this like radical idea to want to take care of the place that you live if you clean your house and mm -hmm. you wash your produce or what you know if you if you clean yourself and you clean your house then you clearly care about the environment that you're living in and mm -hmm. it just it, it it needs to be expanded in in people's minds to be like it's not just your your room that, mm -hmm. or your home that you're existing you you exist collectively on mm -hmm. this one place and we're not cleaning the kitchen okay it has, right it hasn't been cleaned in a long time and it needs to be you know like it's it's that idea treat it like you would treat your home if you don't want to live in filth inside mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't allow the filth to exist outside either 
Exactly. If you trim, I mean, and then the, (laughs) right. And you could corrode the very foundation that you live in. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen? Like mother earth, like the foundation of a house will collapse and rebel. Yeah. So we don't want that either. Nope. Nope. She's very powerful and her elementals can be turned against us. You know, and one of my favorite things to see, um, I love, I love when I see, uh, like grass and roots overtaking concrete and stuff Uh claiming. I think that is one of the coolest things to see because uh, like, Right. Cause mother nature cannot be contained. Yeah, you like, think you can, but you can't. No. Cause like, I've got the power here. Yeah. You're and like living on my body. Exactly. It's like when my body, my choice. Yeah. Says mother <laughs> earth. <laughs> and when you look at like, um, I don't know, like abandoned, let's say, um, amusement parks, they're mm-hmm. all it's being, they're all being reclaimed by mother nature just kind of I mean a lot of things can't be broken down but she just grows mm-hmm. over and it's like that's fine we'll just I'll take this back like yeah you, you don't want this I want this just mm-hmm. like you know I I think that's such a powerful image that like it's we we are nothing in comparison to to mother nature because yeah and the universe and god the mother and like divine consciousness right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we are we are nothing and yet we are everything because we are part of it Mm -hmm. there's that too exactly i love uh it's such a cool uh i guess dichotomy is that the right word Mm -hmm. where it's like both both yes exactly because powerful right well that's like the whole idea of the planet we we are our very nature we we are polarities male and female divine Mm -hmm. celestial and terrestrial right yes divine of the divinity and of earth at the same time so Mm -hmm. i love it i love it this has been such an interesting different conversation it's been so good i feel so like i'm ready to like i don't know go hiking or something i can't i can't (laughs) (laughs) put your feet on the planet and just become one with Yes. Mother Earth. <laughs> I just want to stare at the sky. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to our last two questions, really, it's been more of a conversation than a, than a question, which is totally fine. But before we get there, um, uh-huh. is there anything else that you would like to add where we can find you on social media, where we can find your books or anything mm-hmm. that we didn't touch on today? Sure. Well, you could get my books at Word Bookstores. I will provide the link and word bookstores is an independent bookstore here in Jersey city. Um, you could find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Marisa Akicella. So, and I also have a website, which I barely use, but I'm mostly <laughs> on social media. So you could find me there and yeah, please follow me. I'm also starting a YouTube channel too. So I'll be doing that. There's lots of stuff that I'm working on right now. So busy, busy, busy. Uh, yeah, all about evolving, right? <laughs> Eve evolving, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> it starts in the there. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ask the same last two questions to everyone that comes through the podcast. Mm-hmm. First, what is your second favorite color? My second favorite color? Uh-huh. Um, purple. Like royal purple? Yeah, I love purple. Yeah, why, why mm-hmm. purple? 
I don't know. I just, if it just seems very powerful to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love purple too. I don't know if you can see it in this light, but I have, I have purple hair streaks all over. Oh, I do. I do see it. I do see it. Oh, it's pretty. a little bit of blue up there. <laughs> well, blue is my real favorite color. So oh, look at that. <laughs> there you go. We are in sync. We are. <laughs> and last, what in your opinion is the best part of being a woman? I think the best part of being a woman is embodying the divine feminine mm. in this human body mm. and realizing that whatever you think of, you could give birth to in one form or another. Oh, that's a great that's, answer. Thank that's you. So good. Thank, thank you. That is so good. I love that. I love that Thanks. imagery too. It's very... Uh, impactful. I feel like, you know, I feel like I can see it. I can be it. <laughs> yeah. See it, be it, achieve it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much for sitting down and talking today. I had a blast. That was such an enlightening conversation. I feel like we uh, there's just so much information to share and stories to be told. And I just so love this, this, I mean, all of, all of the work you've put out, but I think, you know, um, you're, uh, I think the big shebang is like a really poignant text. Thank text, you. Pictures. Thank text, you. All of the above. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really, really proud of it. So yeah, and yeah. I really appreciate it. So let's definitely stay in touch. This has been a really great conversation. I love talking yes. with you. Yes, please. And I love what you're doing. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Consider me a friend of the court. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and thank you, Herstorians, for tuning in again. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Tell all your friends uh, so that they can hear from these amazing women that we get to talk to. You can find us on the social media on Twitter at the Her Story Pod, Instagram at Women of Her Story Podcast, and you can visit our website at ofherstory.com. Until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of.